0: And she is also known as Money Honey Rachel. Now, Rachel has published actually two books, self published. And we talk about the the launches of the book, the first book, the Money Honey book. And the interesting thing is, she makes it sound really easy, uh, but it's not necessarily easy to launch a book. But she explains it in a way that it sounds simple, it doesn't have to be complicated can actually be quite simple to launch a book by yourself she has a lot of great tips on that so if you're thinking about writing a book publishing a book she had a ton of tips on that and she's also doing online course so we talk a little bit about that as well and one thing i would like to just um, mention is that she's just 27 and she's already retired or that's what, what she said that's her words but uh, she's not really sitting on the beach not doing anything but the way she sees retirement is in the way that she can actually do what she's passionate about so yes she's working but it doesn't feel like work and i would dare to say that that is exactly where we all want to be as entrepreneurs as coaches course creators we want to be doing the work that doesn't feel like work that we actually love what we do and she now has a passive income of 10 15k a month now how passive it is we'll talk about that as well so make sure that you listen through the entire episode now if you are currently in the launch or if you're about to launch and you're struggling a little bit you're feeling that you not quite sure which direction you should go, There's something stopping you, you're feeling a little bit down or whatever, you and I can hop on a 20-minute loss chat, talk things through, get your pumped up again, make sure you're taking the right steps, and get you going again. Now, if that's something that you will love to do, click on the link in the show notes, book a call, and we'll chat. But let's get into the episode, shall we? Have you launched your online course with great success? Or maybe you launched totally tank and you just want to curl up and cry. Well, it really doesn't matter. Hi, my name is Ken Wesker and I'll help online course creators and membership site owners creating the most fun and profitable launches without having to go it alone. In this podcast, we talk about all kinds of launches. You'll get tons of valuable insights and fun stories that highlight the dramatic ups, downs, failures, and success that comes from being in launch mode. This is the Oh My God, I'm Launching Podcast. All right, welcome to the Oh My God, I'm Launching Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Westgar, and today I'm joined by Rachel Richards. Welcome, welcome Rachel.
1: Hey, Ken. Thank you so much for having me.
0: No, I just, I, to be honest, it's a really exciting time to have you on because, like we mentioned before we got started we haven't really talked about any physical product launches. So even though I do believe there's probably some similarities to this, I mean, even though you're launching a book, um, I I would think it's a lot of the same things that we're probably going to be talking about, but still interesting. Yeah. Uh, But before we get into that, why don't you start off by, you know, letting everybody know who you are, who you help, and uh, how you help them.
1: Yes, so I am... A lot of things. I'm a former financial advisor. I'm a best-selling author of two books on financial literacy and probably what people find most intriguing about me is that last year at the age of 27, I quit my job and retired. And I'm now living off over $15,000 per month in passive income. So my passion now what I spend my time now doing is teaching young people about finance. And I always have said my superpower is making the topic of finance, fun, sassy and simple.
0: Nice. Uh, Curious though, what are the passive incomes that you get in monthly? Where, Where does that come from?
1: Yeah, so I currently have four passive income streams and, and I'm very transparent about my income amounts. So our rental income, uh, my husband and I own almost 40 rental units in Kentucky and we make anywhere from eight dollars to $12,000 a month in profit from those. Then I have my book royalty income from my two books and February, I just had my first seven thousand dollar month in book profits, wow. um, and then I just launched my first course, which is called "Get Your Financial Bleep Together," <laughs> and it's really <laughs> fun. Um, it's kind of hard to know how much I'll be making because it's so early on, but probably one or two thousand dollars a month from that. And then finally, our fourth income stream is a print on demand business, which we don't work on at all. It just brings in maybe two hundred bucks a month, but it's totally passive.
0: Yeah. And yeah, how passive are these passive incomes? I mean, obviously there's been put in a lot of work to, you know, so they become passive in a sense, Mm -hmm. but uh, are they still really passive or do you have to do anything to keep that coming in?
1: Yeah. And I'm glad you asked because is anything truly 100% passive passive maybe portfolio income, you know, maybe when you're earning dividends and interest from the stock market. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, though, you will probably have to put in a really small amount of effort just to maintain the passive income streams. So for example, with our rental income, we probably spend five hours a week managing our tenants, and our rental properties. Um, and then my book income, though. So here's the thing. People are like, well, Rachel, you're not retired. You're still working. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that's the point is that I now work when, where, and if I want. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to retire to sit on the beach. Some people do that, and that's fine. I just get bored really easily. So yeah, exactly. there. I mean, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? I have to do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do what I'm passionate about now, which is really teaching people about finance. So I'm investing a lot of my time to continue to grow that income stream. So I spend a lot of time on that each week. But if I ever wanted to back off and make it more passive, it would probably just be a few hours a week of marketing and promotional efforts just to maintain the income stream.
0: Yeah. I love that though, because it's like you said, you know, even if you retire, I mean you don't want to personally I agree with you. I wouldn't sit on the beach every single day, do nothing. I would want to have something to do, something to fill my day with. And you do it so perfectly by doing something that you really are passionate about, something that you love. And I mean, yes, it's work, but still it doesn't feel like work. So
1: exactly. It doesn't feel like work. It's fun. I mean, yes, I, you know, I'm entitled to go sit on the beach for a month, but, (laughs) but ultimately I do think we are too, we sometimes get too focused on the running away from something and the getting away from the job and the Mm. quitting the nine to five that we don't think about, well, what am I running towards? What is life going to look like if I quit my job? What am I going to do with all my time?
0: hmm. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about the well, you had two books, like you said, so but we're going to talk about money, honey. And that's the name of the first book that you gave out or yes. the selling one. Yes. Um, how did that come about? Where where did it all start?
1: So it started because it, throughout high school and college, All my family and friends came to me for financial advice, which was great because I love helping people with that. And I also began to wonder, well, why aren't they learning or reading books or, you know, educating themselves? And then I was like, oh, yeah, personal finance is boring. (laughs) It's overwhelming, intimidating, complex. I mean, no wonder people don't like to learn about it. So I thought to myself, well, how can I make this topic sassy and easy to understand and approachable? And that's where the idea for Money Honey came from, and it has been more successful than I ever could have imagined. It's really resonated with female millennials, and it has over 550 five-star reviews on Amazon.
0: Nice. I mean, like I said, personal finance not interesting, but again, it's really necessary, especially in this day and age where you know kids uh, or youth have so easy access to credit cards and whatnot you know it's so easy to kind of get into that debt and think that you have money when you really don't have money and spend it and yeah and it to be honest it really should be a part of you know the the classes at school to be honest uh, personal finance
1: oh my gosh absolutely i mean when you think about it we are truly in, and it's not just the United States, it's many countries that we're in a financial education crisis because at no point in our lives are we taught how to manage our money. And then we're left as young adults to figure it out all on our own. And so, of course, we end up with these feelings of guilt and shame and embarrassment and despair when it comes to our money, which is really unfortunate because we just weren't given the resources we need to succeed.
0: Exactly. Do you experience... Um, a lot of people having this money stories or blocks of how to maybe understand how they can live an abundant life without having to think about or worrying about the money all the time?
1: For sure. I think money and finance is such a mental thing, and it can really impact how you look at life, Um, you know, I talk about having money fears and limiting beliefs. And Mm. a lot of those things I think we inherit from our parents or the people we grew up around. So, for example, you know, I grew up in a wealthy county where when people turned 16 in high school, they were getting brand new BMWs for their birthday. (laughs) And my family was not like, I didn't get a brand new car, (laughs) um, let alone a BMW. So we were always on a budget. We weren't going on, you know, crazy trips or anything. Um, But, you know, I grew up kind of with that a little bit of a scarcity mindset thinking, oh, man, I'm never going to have enough money. And I think that those mindsets can really impact you as you get older and can be hard to transform into something a little bit more empowering.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, Full disclosure, I've just been working on some of those limiting beliefs around money and all that stuff. And I was really surprised to kind of figure out all of the stuff that I've been holding on throughout the years. And the things that I kind of grew up with. It's crazy how much crap we keep on carrying from, you know, when we were kids and we learn it so early on that we don't even think about it because it's all it's subconscious mind.
1: Oh, for sure. It's crazy how much, yeah, you're right. We don't even think about it, but we grow up with these beliefs that truly limit our mindset and our behavior. Um, One thing that I think is very effective for changing your thoughts about something is affirmations. Have you used affirmations?
0: No, personally, sure. I haven't yet. No.
1: Yeah. So I use. So I'm a very practical and pragmatic person. So the first time someone was like, "You should try affirmations," I was like, "Uh, like that's woo woo. Like I'm not <laughs> gonna do that." <laughs> but once I gave it a a try, which and affirmations are just statements you say out loud to yourself one or two times a day to affirm the person that you want to become, mm-hmm. and you say it as if it's in the present tense already. Um, but once I started doing this for you know 30 days in a row, I really noticed that I, I felt more empowered about things and it really worked for me. So I don't know if it'll work for everybody, but you know, some of the money affirmations that people could try are saying things like, I love money and I'm grateful for everything money has afforded me. I always have more than enough money. Money comes easily and effortlessly to me. Money is abundant. Those are the types of things you can tell yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's really good. Um, yeah, we kind of went off off on a little tangent there, but uh, you launched your book. Um, let's just talk about a little bit about that first launch. Um, what was the biggest struggle with, you know, writing the book and launching the book?
1: Oh, gosh, there were so many struggles. But probably the biggest one is, you know, when I started writing Money, Honey, it was very exciting. And the words just poured out of me. It's almost mm-hmm. like I had this book inside me. And about four months in, you know, my momentum was slowing down and I ended up quitting writing and it, I wasn't taking a break. I truly quit and I had no intention of picking up this book ever again wow. because by then the, the things I was telling myself were who do you think you are Rachel to write this book about money and your writing is total crap and if you go through with this, it's going to be an embarrassment. So mm-hmm. I was just overcome with such severe self-doubt that I quit writing it and luckily a co-worker I had lunch with a co-worker who's a good friend told her about it and she said Rachel what are you thinking you have to pick this back up you're really onto something here you know finish what you set out to do and luckily she encouraged me enough that I, I started writing it again but in the end it the only reason I went through with publishing it is because I told myself if I can just help one person that is all I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I ended up publishing it because now it's truly changed the lives of thousands of people. And if it wasn't for my friend, I, I would have never overcome that imposter syndrome, back then, I didn't know there was a name for it, but that's what it was. It was the imposter syndrome. And anytime you're an artist or a writer, or you're creating a work of art to be put out to the public to be judged, it is the most vulnerable thing I've ever experienced. So I would say that was definitely the biggest struggle in terms of publishing and launching my book.
0: Yeah. And I think that's probably something for anybody who chooses to be an entrepreneur is every time you have to put yourself out there and you're Really afraid of being judged by other people. And what are they going to think? What are they going to say? So yeah, obviously it's uh, it's not just for writing books or artists or anything. But I mean, think mm-hmm. anybody who is an entrepreneur, entrepreneur,
1: entrepreneur. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and it needs to put things out there. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. True. True.
0: Um, so how did you go about launching the book? Did you go through a publisher? Did you publish it by self? I think you mentioned self-publishing.
1: Yes, I self-publish and cause here's the thing. At first I was like, oh, I got to get at this big publishing deal. I, you know, I got to go with a traditional publisher. Cause that seems like the right way to go about it Mm -hmm. um but then i started talking to other authors and doing a ton of research and because my belief was that if you get a publishing deal they're going to do this whole marketing plan and this huge launch and everything yeah and then i realized that that's actually not the case and that even with a traditional publishing deal they still expect you the author to do 99 percent of the marketing and promoting
0: okay so they kind of just set the plan for you and here you need to execute on this
1: yeah, and I don't even know if they give you a plan. I think it's probably different for every publisher, but I was okay. just thinking, well, what's what's the deal? I mean... If I go with a traditional publisher, I'll get a 10 to 15% royalty, mm-hmm. and I'll still be expected to do all the work. And if I self-publish, I'll get a 35 to 70% royalty on Amazon's platform, and I will retain 100% of the creative control over my book. So after learning that, I was like, well, it's a no-brainer. I'm going to self-publish, and I'm going to make more money. So yeah. that's why I ended up doing that. But I'm glad you asked, because I think that's such a big misconception that people think a traditional publisher is going to do a lot more than they actually do in reality.
0: Yeah. And I think that's pretty common thought, you know, that's the right way. Like you said, it to go with a publisher and get the book out in the big markets. But yeah, we live in a different day and age these days and, you know, everything is yeah. online and I mean, on Amazon is, yeah, it's a big thing obviously. So people can buy it there. So, but you didn't decide to just go digital with this book. This is a paperback cover book as well.
1: Yeah, so Amazon um, offers this print on demand platform so anyone can go on and self publish in ebook and paperback format. So, and then it's also on Audible in audiobook format as well.
0: Nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, besides this, now, now this book is on Amazon. What do you do to get that into or out to the audience?
1: Yeah, so. Um, at first with Money Honey, because I I wrote both of my books while I was still working full-time, so I didn't necessarily have a ton of time to put into marketing and promoting it. But I made a big mistake with Money Honey because there's a cuss word in the subtitle. Mm -hmm. So it's a simple seven-step guide for getting your financial bleep together. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize, but Amazon and Facebook do not allow you to advertise if there's a cuss word in your product. So I have never been able to advertise it. It's it's all sold organically and through word of mouth. And that's partially because I had such a strong launch. But with my second book, Passive Income, Aggressive Retirement, I have been um, experimenting with doing Amazon ads. And that's been helpful. And then ever since I quit my job last year, I've been able to spend a lot more time marketing and promoting myself. So we were just talking before this, that I've been on 75 podcasts so far this year so that's my main kind of marketing effort and I just think it's such a great win-win because because we're really cross-promoting one another's audiences so we're continually helping people helping each other to get in front of new people and I found that to be a great way to market
0: okay so the podcast has been like the main way for you to promote your books basically
1: yeah i I've been on the news a few times and on I've done you know speaking at colleges and other things, but podcast has been my my biggest uh focus this year.
0: okay Are you planning on doing something different going forward trying something new or are you just gonna stick with uh, podcast interviews?
1: You know, I don't know. I need to rethink that going into next year because a lot of people will do public speaking and I don't know if that's my thing. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people will just keep putting out new books, but I get so burnt out after each launch that I'm like, oh, I never want to write a book again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I might just stick with the podcasting and, you know, social media promotion for now because it seems like it's working pretty well.
0: Yeah, and it's a fairly easy way to kind of do it. I mean, you kind of just talk about the same things over and over again obviously in a little bit different context every time but still you Mm -hmm. don't really have to put that much work into it and you know you get in front of a new audience every time you do it so obviously it's a good thing yeah true um in terms of you know how much does it cost to you know just create the first book and actually get it out to people is there any upfront cost that you have to put into this as a you know a budget or something
1: Yes, there will be. And some people will spend tens of thousands of dollars to launch their book. But you got to be so, so careful with how much you invest because the reality is most self-published authors sell 250 to 300 copies of their book. There's like statistics out there that prove that. That means you're only going to make, you know, maybe a thousand bucks from it. So, Mm -hmm. Knowing that and just how frugal that I am, (laughs) I just didn't want to pour a ton of money into something that I I didn't know at the time if it was going to be successful. This wasn't something I did to monetize or create an income stream. It truly was a passion project for me. So I spent as little as possible on the launch. So with money, honey, I spent under $600 and most of that was on a good editor because when you're launching a book, there's two things that you don't want to to be cheap about and I learned this the hard way but number one is a good editor a good editor is worth his or her weight in gold so don't be cheap on that Um, good editors you can probably expect to pay honestly like a thousand dollars at least for a quality editor I just happened to get lucky because I found somebody on this website called Fiverr who was just starting out and had really extensive editing experience but I caught her early on when her rates were low so that's how I got an editor for cheap. And then the second area is your book cover design. And this mm-hmm. is something I did not do correctly with money, honey, but, um, but I will be updating the cover soon because the cover I made by myself with my husband's help in Photoshop. And with the second book cover, Passive Income Aggressive Retirement – You can probably see it looks a lot better, a lot more professional. I used this website called 99designs.com and I spent $400 and got a really, really great cover out of it. So those are the two areas you want to spend the most money is on the editor and the book cover design.
0: Right. And in terms of book cover, do you go with somebody who has an experience with, you know, designing book covers from before? Because I would assume that, you know, book cover kind of needs to stand out. It needs to grab your attention. There's a few things that you need to think about in terms of just not regular graphics design, I would assume.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, you definitely have to find somebody who's done it before. And, you know, for example, with Money, Honey, if you look at the cover, my title is on the bottom. That's a mistake because I didn't okay. know any better. Mm-hmm. A good book cover designer will know to put your title at the very top of the book, which, you know, sounds like obvious, but I didn't know any better. <laughs> yeah, so I
0: didn't know either. So
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but the great thing about this 99designs.com platform is that you submit this description of what you want and then all these designers can bid on it. So you're getting submissions from tons of different designers. So I got over 100 different book cover design submissions and I got probably six or seven really, really solid ones and Mm -hmm. I picked, I picked the winner. So that made it fun and easy to find a great cover.
0: And isn't it a way for people to vote on the designs as well? So you can kind of get the outside perspective of those who might actually look at the book and read the book. So,
1: Exactly. Yeah, because you want to do that market research. I mean, in the end, you know the book the best and you Mm -hmm. you need to make the decision in the end. But yes, doing the market research from your target audience is super important and it's a way to get them invested. So with both of my books, I would on social media for, you know, wherever I could find female millennials, because that's my target audience, I would do polls on the book cover. I would get their input on the title on the subtitle. And not only is that great market research, but they're also becoming emotionally invested in the success of my book, because they've Mm. given their input, and they're excited. And so when it comes time to launch, they're ready to kind of go to work for you and buy your book and share and promote it. So it's, it serves two benefits.
0: Yeah. So how are you using social media in terms of the book? Are you I mean, uh, you probably maybe have a Facebook page, Instagram account, I don't know, Facebook group, maybe, I don't know.
1: Yes, I I have all of the above, actually. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so mainly Facebook and Instagram, and it wasn't until about a year or maybe two year, uh, a year after I launched Money Honey, that someone was like, you should create a Facebook group so you can Mm -hmm. have a community for your readers so i did that it's like a free community it's only for readers of money honey but i now have over a thousand people in that group and so that's a lot of fun because i can give financial advice for free essentially um as a benefit but um one of the things i did well with the launch of money honey is i used other people's facebook groups so so when you self-publish a book a lot of other self-published authors will tell you you need to have a launch team Mm. and this is a group of you know 50 or 100 or 200 people that are in your target audience and that are dedicated to helping you launch the book and so they're totally committed Mm. so i was like man it's going to be hard to find somebody who like wants to help me launch this book because yeah. I had no following. No one knew who I was. So I actually didn't have a formal launch team for Money Honey. But what I did instead is I would go into Facebook groups where female millennials were. And anytime a finance question would come up, I would hop on and I would say, hey, you know, Rachel here, I'm a former financial advisor. Here's what I think. And I would type out this really helpful response. And people came to really appreciate that. So after enough times of that, if someone would ask a money question, people would start tagging me and they would mm-hmm. be like, oh, you need to ask Rachel or, oh, hey, Rachel's your girl. So I beca- I kind of built this credibility and these trust in these groups and became almost this finance guru in several of these Facebook Groups. So that was great because once I had the book idea, I went in and I was like, hey guys, here's what I'm thinking. What do you guys think? And all these female millennials were like, oh my gosh, please write this book. You make finance so easy to understand. Please write it. So I got that great feedback. And in a way, that became my sort of launch team Were all of these people who I had helped and built trust and credibility with and then who then voted on my book cover and my title. Mm-hmm. Those were the people who were in my informal launch team and then later helped me launch the book.
0: Yeah. And I would assume that now that you have a Facebook group, you can use that as a launch team, basically.
1: Yes. Launching my second book was much easier because <laughs> I had... I already had a platform I could go to, and so yeah. I think I had six hundred people in my launch team for passive income aggressive retirement
0: exactly yeah um so you mentioned in the beginning that you have an online course as well. Is this mm-hmm. related to money honey and passive aggressive retirement as well? <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, so it follows along with Money, Honey. It's designed mm-hmm. to complement my first book, Money, Honey. It's called Get Your Financial Bleep Together. <laughs> <laughs> so it is in line with the sarcastic tone. Um, it's like an eight-week course. And I was very careful to not make it redundant to the book because I didn't want it to just be this redundant thing that wasn't going to help people. Mm -hmm. So I I really dive a lot deeper into several topics. There's additional content, but really the focus is on implementation because anyone can read a book and learn what to do, but how many people are actually doing it? You know, Mm -hmm. self-discipline when it comes to finance, that's the hardest thing. So I wanted to create a course that could really provide the structure and accountability people need to actually implement what they know they need to be doing and succeed financially.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because it's like you said, you know, reading a book, I can read a book, read it all the way through. And then I want to revisit that book and kind of just go and underline things that I find important and, you know, start actually doing the work. But um, I would assume that a lot of people just read through the book and that's kind of it. And they don't do anything else with it. So that's kind of where yeah, the course and I'm comes gonna...
1: in. yeah I mean I read so many books I don't know how many books I've read where I was like man this is amazing and then I probably didn't do anything with it
0: (laughs) yeah exactly so how did you go about you know uh, launching this course was it any different that you know maybe using the Facebook group or anything like that
1: yeah it was a lot different I started by just kind of interviewing other online course creators and seeing what they did and just learning. I'm an avid reader, so I learn everything I possibly can. And one thing that kept coming up is that you need to pre-sell a course, meaning Mm -hmm. sell it before you create it. And that was such a new idea to me at the time. I kind of was sketched out by it, honestly, at first. But, you know, the whole point is kind of do the market research and pre-sell the course to make sure there's any interest before you waste your time creating the course. Because course creation, I mean, I don't know how many hours I spent creating this course, probably over 200 hours. Imagine if I had invested 200 hours into something and then it didn't sell at Mm -hmm. all. So it's kind of the same thing with the book in terms of being frugal about it. I didn't want to invest a ton of money not knowing if I was going to make that up. And with the course, it's almost like you don't want to invest a ton of time if you're not going to be able to sell it. So that was interesting. So basically, I kind of outlined what I thought the course would look like. I created a landing page. I used the platform called Kajabi, but there's tons of great course platforms out there. So I created a landing page, set the pricing, and opened up Enrollment. And my goal was to get 20 signups for the beta round of the course. Cause it was kind of like this test trial version and yep. I ended up getting 50 signups. So I was totally shocked. There was a much bigger interest than I thought. And of course that totally validated the idea. And then for the beta round, I just created the course as I went. Mm-hmm. So it dripped out over eight weeks. So that gave me enough time each week to create the videos and the content And get it published. And now it's all created. So it's very passive. I just open up enrollment, people sign up, and I don't really have to do much.
0: Yeah, exactly. And did you get feedback from the beta members throughout the course as you was creating? So you kind of could go the way that they wanted it to go?
1: Yes. So the beta, I think it's so important to have a beta version of your course, which just means it's like a trial version. It's the first round of your course. But there's a couple benefits. First, for the beta member, they got the course at a huge discount. So the normal pricing is $297 for the course. The beta members got to sign up for $177. So they saved over $100. And the reason is because I made it very clear, like this isn't the final version of the course. I might mess up or make a mistake and I'm relying on you to tell me and to give me the feedback so that I know how to create exactly what you want. So each week they were required to submit weekly feedback. They were required to take a survey before and after the course. And that was so helpful because I got to hear exactly what they wanted and Then when I did the final course, I added in some content, I tweaked things and restructured things, and now it is like the best possible version of the course it could be.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great way to kind of get people to get aware of that, you know, once you're in, I require you to actually bring some feedback, not just saying, I would love some feedback, because that kind of gets, you know, a little bit vague, and people might not actually do it, but you actually require it and they have to fill out a form every week to make sure that you get the feedback. And I think that's a really good idea.
1: Yeah, and I even put that in the checkout page in the terms and conditions. It was mm-hmm. like, as a beta member, you agree to leave feedback every single week and they were not able to access the next week modules until they left feedback for the prior week. So I think it's important to set it up that way because otherwise people people just won't take that part seriously.
0: Yeah, exactly. And now you have launched that, obviously, multiple times. Uh, How has that launch gone from that first beta launch to the next ones that you kind of had?
1: Yeah, so I actually just finished my first like final round of the final course, I just opened up enrollment and closed enrollment and the course just started a couple days ago. Um, so it's really fun. I got 20 signups. I was so excited to have 20 signups and it's probably something I will launch four times a year. Mm -hmm. So probably the next one will open up in October, but it's, it's so much easier now that I've gone through it once. And I, I really feel like I'm helping people on a more direct one-on-one level and, um, I think that the results from the beta course, because I asked people, you know, how much money did you save because of and during this course? Mm-hmm. The beta members saved on average $2,043 during wow. the eight week course. So, yeah, I, it totally blew me away, but it gave me the confidence because I know this course is truly helping people.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, are you planning on doing bigger launches? Uh, I don't know. I, I assume that you're doing relatively passive uh, launches so it's really easy not really that much work but are you planning on maybe doing some more aggressive launches
1: um you know i i could i guess i don't know how so what i'm already doing for my launch is i open it up for five days because you want to keep the urgency there Absolutely. and i launch it to my facebook group kind of first because they're my actual readers and they know me well. And then I launch it to my email list. I have almost 5,000 people on my email list. And then I launch it to like my public social media. So I I probably won't ever go over 50 people because I think that was like a sweet spot with my beta and I I wouldn't want it to ever be bigger than that. But I'm definitely really happy to have 20 people too. Because also the smaller the group is, the more I can help people one-on-one so I would hope to keep it between 20 to 50 people each time
0: right are you considering maybe doing some group coaching or are you doing one-on-one coaching with this as well um
1: I don't do one-on-one coaching but what I plan on doing as part of the course is offering two group zoom calls So it's kind of like group coaching where they Mm -hmm. get to hop on a Zoom call with me and with everybody else in the course, and um, I do two of those each course. So that's their chance to really ask me their questions and get help on their specific money circumstances, basically. Um, I've never really wanted to do one-on-one coaching just because it hasn't interested me a ton, but I have considered creating a mastermind, which is sort of in a way like group coaching. So that might be something I do in the future.
0: Cool. Awesome. What would you say is one of the biggest lessons that you learned through launching both the book and the online course?
1: Um, I would say, I think it just goes back to having a unique value proposition, you know, because Hmm. I mean, how many thousands of books have been written about personal finance? Yeah, So many. And so creating another book in this topic was a little bit daunting but you really have to ask yourself why would somebody buy your book or your course over the thousands that are already out there Mm -hmm. and if you can't articulate that then you're going to have a hard time selling it so i think that's the biggest biggest mistake people probably make and probably something i i got right in the beginning but didn't realize it until later that man that was a really important and crucial part is is really being able to find a problem in the market that hasn't been solved yet and then go out and solve it for people.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Such a great point. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, Where can people reach out to you and find a little bit more about you? And, you know, obviously your book can be purchased on Amazon, I guess.
1: Yes, thank you so much. So both of my books, Money Honey, and Passive Income Aggressive Retirement, are available on Amazon. Um, in the United States, you can get it in eBook, paperback, and audiobook. And then the formats are vary a little bit in other countries. Um, and then if anyone listening wants to download my passive income starter kit, I will give that for free. So you can go to moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus to download that.
0: Awesome, I'll link up that in the show notes so you can click through and find it exactly where you need to. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was exciting to talk about, like I said, something different, a product launch versus uh, you know just a regular online launch. So thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Ken. It was a lot of fun and thank you for having me.
0: we well, are welcome. Uh, well, thank you everybody for listening in, and we'll catch up again next week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast.